that had me dying. It's a little bit of erotica. When, when you know? I was taking notes for this chapter and I came to that, yet he could scarcely tell Lord Mormont that it was another man's sword he dreamt of. It's Jamie Lannister's sword I dream of. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Mayonnaise, your favorite full spoiler review podcast of George R.R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, starting with the Game of Thrones. As always, I am your one of your co-hosts, just one, I'm not two people, just one of me in here, and that's Zach. And this guy sitting next to me, he is a fan of my intros, listeners, my brother Nate, and my co-host. And your co-host. But... I liked you brought it back. You went up, and then you came back down the other side. Yeah, no, good. I'm just getting crazy, getting wild. So we like to... <clears throat> wow. You hear Apparently. that frog just crawl yeah, up my throat? right up in there. That's what happens here in the Riverlands when you're bunking down in some bogs. But if you haven't been here before, we are full spoiler. We'll ruin everything. Don't test us. Well, not everything, because Julian. Yeah, Julian. <laughs> like, just because we... Man, it's touching. But... Anyway, if you have been here before, thanks for coming back. Yeah. Last t- episode, we read Catlin 9. Catlin 9. We got to meet old Walder Frey. That fucking cunt. And honey's all mine. Motherfucking. I love it. Oh, I love that line so much. Yeah. We got to meet Walder Frey, and essentially there was just a, especially in the reread, uh, we picked up on a big sense of foreboding. Of There was a lot of heavy choices being made in that chapter, and... Not a lot of trust, and we were basically inherently told not to trust Walder Frey, and we know why, obviously. Full spoiler reread, the way red. the Red Wedding happens. But The yeah. Red Wedding is where Catelyn gets fucking killed. And Rob. Just making sure we're full I mean, spoiler. Like, yeah, just forget I don't about wanna, the king in the north there. I don't want to be part spoiler, just full so all in. <laughs> Full nudity. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, Walter Frey granted passage with some terms, of course. Arya's supposed to marry a Frey. That won't fucking happen. Rob's supposed to marry a Frey. Rob's that won't supposed fucking to marry happen. a Frey. That won't fucking happen. Uh, Rob Ed- is supposed to take a squire and give him a knighthood in time. I don't think that fucking happens. Nope. Uh, Big Walder, Little Walder go to Winterfell. That does fucking happen. But not for a bit here. So we ended that chapter with Rob splitting his army, Roose Bolton continuing down to engage Tywin and Rob and Catelyn and the rest of his men going forth to River Run to help free Edmure Tully from Jamie Lannister's clutches. And so this episode we're on John 8 up at the wall. Johnny boy. All in all John's just a Another brick in the wall. We do not have the rights to that song. We are so getting sued. No, because it's John. It's not everyone else. Thank you. It's your own. It's I your said own thank creative. you. Like you just gave me any <laughs> validation. Yeah. Anyway, this so, chapter opens with yeah. Last time with, with John, John. Last time on John Balsy. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Put into jail time, time out, jail time, because he attacked Alistair Thorne. Yo, he was gonna straight up he dagger stab him that motherfucker in the, face. in the eyes with a fork. I think it was. Though. No, a, da- a knife. He had oh, his okay, knife. Yeah. yeah. So, but right in the face, going mm-hmm. fucking full ham, and it was because his Thorne friends. was giving him a bunch of shit because his father was a traitor, a traitor in the eyes of the realm. Mm-hmm. And so then he was in his cell and got some weird feelings from his buddy Ghost. The goodest of boys was that, letting him know some shit was on. Yeah. So he followed Ghost up to the Lord Commander's solar where they were greeted by Other, the other, and I think that's stupid. 
Oather the other. Oather the white. Um, who was reanimated. Yeah. And apparently on some sort of dedicated mission to assassinate the Lord Commander. Right. And Jon Snow intervened at first unsuccessfully and then discovering that fire maybe works. He dumbassedly grabs a yo, thing of burning. No, uh, I mean, he in, heroically, the moment, in the moment. Like, you know, I'll give it to John. He grabs the is... drapes that were lit on fire and thrusts them upon the inconceivable so, creature. when you're first reading through, you actually don't really know the aftermath yet. Yes. Like, you pick up this John episode, uh, this John episode, it's this John chapter, kind of in the dark as far as John, and right. it opens with Mormont scowling, asking Jon Snow, are you well, Snow? And the raven picks up the cry, well, well. Now, we do know, being full spoiler, just because I like to have some kind of idea of where the fuck things are going. This is the King's Tower at the Wall. That's where the Lord Commander has now taken up residency because the top two floors were pretty charred out because of the fire. Um, Understandably. Yeah, essentially, the Lord Commander's Tower burned down. Um, That's how people are describing it. It was only the top two floors, but those were Mormont and essentially John's apartments. Exactly. So, it's fucked. So, yeah, Mormont moved, and that's where they currently are. And John answers him, I am, my lord. And he he lies loudly as if that would make it more true. And he asks, are you? And Mormont frowns, and he says, a dead man tried to kill me. How well could one be after that? And he says, you do not look well, Snow. How is your hand? Now, this is where we learn that the thrust into the drapes fucked his hand. Yeah, uh, and this will stick with him for the rest of the series. No, I think it's it very be. funny because uh, it's... It's said here, actually, that so John says it's healing and how bad it was burned. Yeah. He's got it wrapped in silk to the elbow, and at the time he felt nothing. But afterwards, the act. Which, I mean, if you've ever had a burn, a right. severe and, burn. And, I mean, really any kind of pain. You or get injury, that, and well, you get that initial, like, ah, shit, and then it goes doesn't away. hit until, like, a couple seconds mm-hmm. after. And then, and then, especially later on, a few hours later, it starts to really yeah. feel like and it so burns. And so I don't think I've personally had any major third degree burns or anything crazy like that. So I can only imagine how bad those are when you've just crisped up your whole arm. Indeed. Anyway, so he also had giant blood blisters rising up between his fingers, big as roaches. There was just, the skin was cracked and red and oozing and... It's just vile. Mr. Eamon says, it'll scar, but it'll heal good as before. No permanent damage. No permanente damage. And yet it's going to affect him forever. I think now I in more in the the the, the scarring. It's exactly. tight it's it, tight and that's dead what skin, I wanted to and so he's mention. kind of always just flexing his hand. Exactly. Cuz I have a pretty decent sized scar on my and, uh, Yeah, same. Arm. I've got one and right so above my thumb. That, I know that kind of taut feeling yeah, that it gets, so I can only imagine having your entire arm yeah. like that you're just going to constantly be trying trying so to flex it. That's, yeah. there is going to be a permanent mark there, which but is But more my, and and I think this is actually just like it shows what a gentleman Mormon is, because he says a scarred hand is nothing on the wall. You'll be in gloves more often than not, anyway. So he's basically, yeah, just don't worry about it. Like, yep. don't worry about scarring. Yeah, scarring is, aren't you? And it's John thinks it's not the scars that trouble yeah. him; it was all the rest of it. He says, even at first, with milk of the poppy, the pain had been hideous, as if his hand were aflame constantly. John was thankful that only Ghost had seen him writhing on his bed, whimpering from pain. And when he did sleep, he dreamt, and that was worse. In the dream, the corpse he fought had blue eyes and black hands and his father's face. Fucker, John. 
but, but he, he, he didn't dare tell Mormont that. So again, again with this face, the face imagery mm-hmm, of replacing mm-hmm. faces, we've had it. Ned tripping in the dark, seeing yep, Robert's see cracking yep. face and Cersei's face. Um, and Robert same, pulls the yep. mask away and its little finger. And then Catelyn got, has her stern masks and faces. Bran in the first when he's climbing the tower in his uh, dream, in his dream there, mm. he sees Jamie's face. Yeah. but we don't. It's not named Jamie in that, but we see that face. Like, yeah. there's a lot he, of facial Bran imagery. himself in also this. mentions, you know, when Ned dons the face of lord star right of, exactly of ned star so there yeah like we we get this constant imagery with the facial features of the starks and them shifting and changing which i don't think is just necessarily to aria no. but i just think there's a, a bigger it's more the identity yeah it's showing that the the starks have these ways of identifying and alluring two different so like little finger actually being well because this to me this feels somewhat magical this feels like there's meaning behind it other than just john being stressed about ned being in a cell to me this feels a little different um, because it's john and john is one of the green seers as we know with ghosts mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And so I, I just tend to put John and Brand's dreams tend yeah. to hold the most weight for me, and then I would say Danny probably after that. Um, other characters have certain moments when they're near weirwood trees that they have dreams, but John is just kind of it, it, it's really always a crapshoot with John of like how much magic we're gonna get in each chapter. Yeah, like yeah. some have ghosts and it's just a ton. But of... similarly, we don't know how much is bullshit magic and is real magic and so i'm personally of the mind that it's more his father's heavy on his mind he's went through this traumatic experience he's going through the agonizing pain and fever dreams so i think it's a lot of that and less magical this time but that's just me see i i don't know i feel like there's just something that could be read into it with someone so honorable as john holds his father and the secret that Ned has, and then him being this undead. Well, I creature. think that's what has a lot to. I, see that I definitely think is more of a nod towards us. I don't think there's actual meaning, but I think it's definitely showing that Ned it's has just this. George leaning in and doing a big old wink. Just like, yeah, hey. just yeah. It's more George showing Ned is this. He does have this dark side. This that's that's creep. that's what it seems to me. It's like Ned has this secret that is like almost rotting right. him from within. But I think like, it's just more of John's dreams mashing up that way. But George using that yeah, as a yeah. device I, I to portray it to us. I see it being just George's brilliance and laying yeah. out because also just and then we can move on. But the the blue eyes because Ned always thinks about the blue of Liana, mm-hmm. Liana, and so the blue and eyes the on Ned Stark's and... face just to me seems more than just a normal white. It seems connected to all of the other mythos with Lyanna, with Jon right, Snow's right. heritage, with Rhaegar. Like, so, I didn't think about having the blue in there, too. Because like, like, I just kind of put it as, oh, well, he's just picture, he saw the blue this haunting eyes. This time it struck me. But, like, I sat there and pictured Ned Stark in this scene, it, where, what I pictured with Othor, but just going through it with Ned and, like, shoving his hand down John's throat like what like it it, it changed that scene for me picturing it as Ned Stark as like this is that's way more imposing this is the secret like this is what Ned was afraid the secret would do would kill John type thing like and so it just there was something there almost yeah like if Ned were to come and tell him the secret the secret's what would lead to his death that's it so this is saying it would choke him it would literally fucking choke him him. yeah okay Anyway, anyway, Mormont 
tells John that Dywin and Hake, Hake. I think it was, uh, have returned because they're Rangers. They yep. were out doing the following the commands that were issued in the last John chapter yeah. by Mormont, where they're trying to scour every single inch of the haunted woods, and they've found nothing. However, John, who knows nothing, tells him he knows. I know. And I know. Mormont's like, dude, what the fuck, yeah, man? Yeah, talk of the Rangers' failure had been on everyone's lips. Yeah. So, like, Castle Black is like a gossipy little Yo, fucking... Yeah, it's a little high school clicky yeah, fucking... Yeah, like cafeteria. You got I mean, Jon Snow and the popular little fucking kids. It's Sam Tarly, like yo. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. like the the gossip girl in this play. Because like, uh-huh, he's got uh, Mace Damon's letters, and he's like, shit, I'm going to take a quick pic and like send the, this to John. He's the anonymous Dear S- Abby. He's screenshot. Like, word has it, straight from Mace Damon's office. That. So, John, I don't know if you've heard, <laughs> but in the South. But, yeah, it says that... More, yeah, Mormont kind of loses it. He's like, Jesus, how does word get so quick around this place? Like, it's insane. But it says that it seems there were only two of these creatures, whatever they were, as I will not call them men. Any, any more, and well, that doesn't bear thinking on. There will be more if... Uh, there will be more, though. I can feel it in these old bones of mine. And Eamon agrees with me. Cold winds are rising. Summer is at an end, and a winter is coming, such as the world has never seen. Winter is coming. The stark words had never sounded so ominous or grim to John as now. And he hesitantly mentions that a bird arrived last night, and maybe there was some word of my father uh, in it. Yeah. What's happening, King's Landed? And the raven taunts him, father, father. Cool. So now that we've gone that far, yeah. a quick uh, jump back, back to, to uh, winter is coming. So he says that cold winds are rising. Yeah. I feel like that is something we'll never hear from uh, George Martin because essentially, to me, it sounds like he's saying winds of winter are coming. Mm. A cold wind is rising yeah. and, and winter is coming. And so he's he's early on just telling – like I just really like the winds, the winds of, winter, of winter like, But how yeah. roundabout he technically said it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's It's – it's this whole line is so on. summer is at an end and winter is coming such as the world has never seen. They had the long night 3000 years ago. So what is it that's making and so I, and, and I think he's saying anyone seeing, living yeah, so yeah, like yeah. all the, that that's the last time something like this has occurred. Nobody alive has seen this type of monstrosity of a Well, winter. I don't know. Such as this world has never seen is pretty fucking that's saying it's going to be something new that's never been I don't experienced. Think, I think that's again experienced by the people that are currently there. I don't I think he's saying since back But in it's the, still we've been trusted or given reason to trust that old bear's words have weight and so the fact yeah. that Eamon backs him and they both agree that like yeah seems like shit's stirring up again and it's shitty it just gives weight to the words and then the the winter is coming the the ominousness especially with where the stark family is at right now with ned in a, a cell about to lose his head that yeah no the stark words are pretty ominous and grim yeah, right yeah. now so yeah so with the bird uh Shouting father, father, father uh, which is funny because uh, Mormont doesn't really want to be discussing Ned at all. No. And so the fact that the bird's bringing it, you know, harping on it because John thinks about it and then even asks, any news from my father? Yeah. I, I saw that there was a bird that had arrived yesterday and thought maybe. Well, yeah, that was why that was where the raven picked up father because it was when John said, you know, 
oh, any word. Right. Yeah. I thought that sparked the... No, no, yeah. it was the other way. John sparked oh, yeah, the yeah. raven. And so Mormont goes, grief and noise is all ravens are good for. If there was news of Lord Adar, don't you think I would have sent for you? And he says that the message concerned Sir Barristan Selmy. Bury the bowl. He's been removed from the King's Guard, and they gave his place to that black dog, Clegane. Send all the house. Now Selmy's wanted for treason. He slew two fool watchmen and fled. Fucking get it, Barry! Get it! <laughs> and so yeah. Mormont snorts, white shadows in the woods, and, un- and unquiet dead men stalking our halls, and a boy sits the Iron Throne. And the raven laughs. Boy, boy, boy. Yeah, so John is immediately worried about that because he realizes that, like, Barry the Bold was basically his dad's best chance of getting reception from King's Landing of Mormont's letter, which, again, from last chapter we learned was stating that, if possible, send fucking Ned to the wall. They yeah. need high lords there that can command respect and know what the fuck they're doing. Send them to the fucking wall. Now he's worried that's not going to happen. Mm. And then he asks about his sisters. And, like, fuck, really? There's no mention, there was no mention of Lord Eddard or the girls. And Mormont shrugs and says, maybe they didn't receive my letters. Maybe Pycelle denied not to reply. I fear at court. Uh, I fear we count for we less count. than nothing yeah. in King's Landing. That. They tell us what they want us to know, and that's little enough. And you tell me what you want me to know, and that's less, John resentfully thinks. Rob had called, this is when we find out, John knows what's happening. Yeah. Rob had called the banners and ridden to war, yet not a single word had been breathed to John except by Samuel Tarley, who'd read the letter to Maester Eamon and whispered its contents to John in secret all the while whispering that he shouldn't. And it troubled John more than he could say. Rob was marching, he was not. No matter how often he told himself his place was here now, with his new brothers on the wall, he still felt craven. Yeah, man, which I I suppose I can understand. I mean, I I wouldn't go to war for you, fuck you. But, like, you know, I I guess if you like your brother, maybe it happens. Mm. I don't know. Is that how real, is that how regular brothers work? I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I ain't riding for you. That's weird. But the raven begins screaming for corn, and Mormont tells it to shut up and asks John how soon. Eamon says that he'll be able to use his hand fully again. Soon. Soon. I don't want it. I don't want it. And Mormont says good, and then on the table between them, he sets a large sword in a black metal scabbard, (laughs) banded with silver. (laughs) You'll be ready for this then. And the raven lands on the table, head cocked, strutting toward the sword, and John has no idea what this means. Which is pretty dense. Yeah, I mean, like, come on, John. Hesitate. What? What? Uh, what, what's? What's this mean, my, my lord? He so, says. So Mormont goes on. The fire melted the silver, silver off the pommel, and built the. Cr- oh my God! Burnt the cross guard and grip, but you'd need a fire a hundred times as hot to harm the blade. And he shoves the scabbard across the. Take table. it. I had the rest made anew. Take it. Take it. And so John picks it up. Which they point out with his left hand, since his right is still fucked. Yeah. Obvi. They, like, it's more than one person. And he pulls it out of the scabbard. And we get the badass description of Longclaw. Did you write it down? Because I didn't. I, I, like, 
bullet pointed it. So the pommel, it was a Oh, hunk. I did write it down. Oh, Fucking read it. Me. The pommel was a hunk of pale stone weighted with lead to balance the long blade. It's funny. I don't even remember what the fuck I write down anymore. It had been carved into the likeness of a snarling wolf's head with chips of garnet set into the eyes. It's a bastard sword, hand and a half, uh, which he's only really used to seeing his father's great sword, ice, which is two-handed sword. A true two-handed, yeah. So he mentioned that to his father that he he's that it's Valyrian steel. But before we get into their conversation, it seems lighter than the other blades he's yeah. used though. And John is used to a single. Normal, yeah. like long, a, long sword. Yeah, and so this feels lighter than a long sword, but is a hand and a half sword. So yeah, more steel yet lighter, which is so he recognizes it as the Valyrian steel. This now. is Valyrian steel. Now we all know that it's carved into the likeness of ghost, and I, but I never really thought about it until now that they Samuel Tarly had gone and bought garnets to have placed into the into the eyes. Yeah, Sam went down to Moly, and now like that's. To rep, you know, again, it makes it more ghost because ghost is ghost with the red eyes and the white and all that. But I've also immediately, when I read Garnets, uh, was thinking of the red, just red gemstones and Rhaegar. And so I kind of thought that it was neat that I know it's not a ruby, but, but it's some connection that to his red, father. That red gemstone and, and the wolf in this sword representing Rhaegar and yeah. Lyanna right here. Yeah, like, no, I, I circled the garnets too because I thought yeah. the same thing. Yeah, it, it reminded me of the rubies as well with that. And for a minute, I thought of glamours, and I'm like, yo, like, what if Mormont like just straight up like made this sword hilt a dick and then just <laughs> glamoured it so it looks like a wolf, <laughs> like the ultimate prank? Like he died, he went to his grave with that knowledge. Just one day, one day, one the, day glamour, the magic like, just the Garnet's out. gonna fall out and it's just gonna be in the shape of a dick. A John's dick. gonna be like, oh, Mormon, you fuck. You got me. You got me good. You son of a bitch. And so, yeah, the old bear confirms it is. The Mormons have carried this sword for centuries. My father owned it and his father before him. I wielded it in my day and passed it down to my son when I took the black. Which got me thinking do we ever know why Mormont took the black? I was thinking the same thing. Because, like, I'd like to know that story. Was it willingly? Did he... I don't think he would have committed a crime. I don't know. I can't imagine this precious baby angel committing a crime. No, I don't know. Because he seems fairly honorable and of the North Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't... Um, I I see him about on par with Ned. Like, I don't see him doing anything wild. Like, he even seems upset at Jorah and what Jorah did with the slave uh, poacher... The poachers. Poachers. Okay, so... Oh, all right. Yeah, he chose to go to the wall because he thought it was time for Jorah to take over as Lord of Bear Mountain. Yeah, he just... So he's like, It made sense as Jorah was at a high point in his life, so the old bear goes to the wall content with life. Oh, he don't give a fuck. Yo, so yeah, he just handles... He walked in there, fucking air horns. What up, bitches? Yeah, uh, your Lord Commander's here. I'm successful as fuck. You know, this is just something I'm doing. Like, I just said, fuck it. Like, what haven't I done? Oh, let's go check out the wall. So, John is absolutely fucking shocked that he's being given the blade of this guy's son. Like, he's like, this... uh, He starts to even say, "Your, your son, like... The fun. My son brought dishonor to House Mormont, but had the grace to leave the sword when he fled. My sister returned it to me, but the sight of it reminded me of Jorah's shame, so I put it aside until we found it in the ashes of my bedchamber. 
The original pommel was a bear, but I thought a white wolf more apt for you. And so John thinks that when he was Bran's age, yeah, he, he had a little, little he had a little envy. Well, not envy, but he always no, dreamed. Yeah, man, I feel I really feel bad for him here because I mean, granted, it's part. It's again, we usually direct it towards the the misogyny of the world, but there's also that. You know, you're less than if you're not the firstborn. Yeah. And especially a bastard. But he just feels ashamed for having a dream. Yeah. Like, you poor fucking kid, man. Yeah, when he was Bran's age, he always dreamed of doing great deeds. The details of his feats changed with each dreaming, but most often he was saving his father's life, who in turn would be so thankful he would declare John a true Stark and put ice in his hands. Even then, he knew it was folly. No bastard would ever wield a father's sword. Even the memory shamed him, stealing his brother's birthright. And he says, I have, or he thinks, I have no right to this sword. No more than ice. And he begins to say so. Like, he wants to, he wants to, but again, Again, Jar just fucking cuts him right off. And he tells him, you fought bravely, and you thought quickly. You've earned this sword. Yeah. Like... And then he kind of ruminates because he goes, fire, damn it, we ought to have known. We ought to have remembered. The long night came before. 8,000 years is a good while, but if the Night's Watch doesn't remember, who will? Right, and so that's why that line is what made me think that when he was saying earlier that he's uh, likes the world has never seen. And I love just how ashamed he is by that lack of knowledge. Like, fuck, of course. I like that the raven echoes who will. Like, I think think that's an interesting one. Who's going to save us? Or like, well, who's going to remember? Or who's going to, yeah, that's, oh, shit. Like, the ravens? Are the ravens going to remember? Brendan Rivers? And so, the gods, it says that the gods had heard John's prayer the night that night, the fire had caught in the dead man's clothing and consumed him as if his flesh were candle wax and his bones old dry wood. John need only close his eyes to see it staggering about the solar, flailing at the flames. It was a face that haunted him. Uh, it was the face that haunted him most. Surrounded by a nimbus of fire, the flesh melting away, sloughing off the skull to reveal the bone beneath. Hell yeah. Nimbus! Damn it. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Anyway, that is a haunting image. Now, <laughs> we, we didn't... You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we didn't get the description until now of what actually occurred. Yeah. That's how the chapter ended with the last one, with John plunging the fire into this thing's face. Now, it says that the eyes liquefy. And like jelly, r- yeah. Like jelly down the face. If you've ever seen, there's like videos of like fast time of like the melting off of the face of the skeleton. I pictured that, but like scary as fuck because it's running around on fire in front of you. Yeah. And uh yeah, man, fuck that's scary as shit. Yeah, it goes on. It says whatever demonic force had moved Othor had been driven out by the flames. Yet in his nightmare he faced it again. This time the burning corpse warlord Eddard's features. It was his father's skin that blackened and burst, his eyes that ran liquid down his cheeks. John doesn't understand what it might mean, but it frightened him more than he could say. 
I don't blame him. Yeah, no, fuck no. <laughs> fuck no. I mean, you see it in real life, and then you're dreaming about it, but someone you admire yeah, and are well, close to. All like, of a sudden, it's somebody fuck. you expect to just see that shit. And so Mormont ends with, a sword's a small payment for a life. Now shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right. I quote, I think that's the no, quote. No, yeah, pretty much. So, And John says, yes, yes, my lord. <laughs> okay, I'll shut the fuck up. And it says that John knows he should be grateful, yet he's not. And but he was like he he, he was is, but, but he's, he's not. not like and, and my father the thought had leapt unbidden to John's mind. Eddard Stark is my father. I'll not forget no matter how many swords they give me. So yet he could scarcely tell Lord Mormont that as <laughs> that it was another man's sword he dreamt of. <laughs> Hell yeah, I. That had me dying. It's a little bit of erotica. When, when you know? I was taking notes for this chapter and I came to that, yet he could scarcely tell Lord Mormont that it was another man's sword he dreamt of. It's Jamie Lannister's sword Jesus. I dream of, man. I hope so. No, it... Um... <laughs> Threw you off there. Mormont says, no fucking courtesy. Stop Stone. going further. I'm trying, oh, trying to, to fucking make a point, oh, right. but I'm stuck on your goddamn erotica moment. You're the one that brought up the dick hill. That's true. <laughs> but, never mind. Um, he says, I'll not forget. Uh, Eddard Stark is my father. I'll not forget no matter how many swords they give me. I think that's going to be important come John's last fucking chapter where he finds out his lineage. And yeah. it's... I'm not going to forget that Lord Eddard was my father in true. No matter what. No matter what. Because once it's revealed to John, he's going to realize, like, yeah, he didn't tell me who my mother was, but now I understand why. And so it's going to be that Harry Potter Snape moment of just that post-mortem rush of gratitude of, like, fuck, this dude did all of this for me type of thing. So I just thought that line is super important for John's arc. But yeah, he wants no uh, Mormont wants no courtesies either. So thank me no thanks, which I love, and I'm gonna start saying. Thank me no thanks. Honor the steel with deeds, not words. And John nods and asks if it has a name. Longclaw, it was called. And John says Longclaw is an apt name. Yeah, John basically breaks it down that both wolves, based on an anatomical book I read <laughs> that at Winterfell, now, wolves. Have claws. Stick with no, us here. No, I I was taught. I double checked with Eamon. Bears do too. Shit. Both of them have claws. Lock of the door. And sometimes they're both long. Mormont seemed pleased by that. <laughs> Mormont will remember that. Saying that uh, John will want to work at his two-handed strikes, but Sir Andrew can show him some moves. And once again, his burns are healed. Not to keep going off topic, but. I all I pictured was him leveling up his two-handed weapon skill, like he needs yeah. to train, yeah. he needs to practice, yeah. and just go whack at some stuff. So, so John he, doesn't recognize the name. So right. yes, Andrew, Sir Andrew Toth, a good man. He's on his way from the Shadow Tower to assume duties of Master at Arms. So there's more to that sentence, but we're gonna yes. stop real quick because Tarth. Yes, Tarth, Sir Andrew Tarth. Tarth. Now, I don't know the relationship here. I didn't look it up because I'm an asshole and I don't do my homework before my episode recording. <laughs> but I would imagine he's related to Brienne. Uh, uh, yeah. I firstly like that he is the person that is second chosen after Alistair Thorne to be the master at arms and teach the new recruits how to fight and shit, which shows that he has an aptitude for combat. Mm. Somebody else with the last name Tarth. 
Yeah, was, uh, I was always just wondering if this was like the the master at arms that sort of refused to train Brienne. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I think is implied. Well, obviously, a reread and a reread is implied that yeah, this motherfucker was probably the one who Brienne wanted to train with or attempted to. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm pretty sure when she we get some of her stuff in Feast when she starts getting close to people around Tarth, she starts talking about that time. Yeah, I suppose sure. well, if you uh, move forward with a little bit, I'll see what the relationship is there. Wow. But, uh, yeah, we also learn here that Sir Alistair Thorne left Yestermorn for Eastwatch by the sea, which is dope news. And, uh, relationship unknown. Relationship unknown. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Sir Master at Arms at Castle Black, House Tarth, Night's Watch. But it's just... Uh, his relation to Lord Selwyn Tarth of Evanfall is unknown. Motherfucker, who okay. are you, Andrew? I don't like this. Anyway, like so yeah, we also learn Alistair Thorne has been sent to Eastwatch. <laughs> and John asks why very stupidly, and Mormont snorts. Because I sent him. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's bringing the hand your ghost tore off Jaffer Flower's wrists. I've commanded him to take ship for King's Landing and lay it before this boy king. That should get Joffrey's attention. As well, it puts a thousand leagues twixt you and him without it seeming a rebuke. Yeah, not to mention uh, Thorne is well-suited for this kind of a journey. He's a knight. He's fairly well-renowned. He's known. He has some friends down in King's Landing. He's not just a glorified crow, so yeah. people will more likely listen to him than they would. Uh... Essentially, they're all cunts in King's Landing. Alistair Thorne is a cunt, Yeah. so uh... he can speak their language. What's his face, his name there that went down with Tyrion and then is going to take Arya? What's that fucker's name? I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. I don't know who you're talking the, about. The, the Night's Watch member that went to Ned with the news of Catelyn being taken, or Tyrion being taken by Catelyn, and then he's the one that Arya's going to skirt off with. Oh, shit. Like, what is his goddamn name? I don't know why name? the fuck I can't think of his fucking name. And that hurts me. That's that awful. That hurts me. God damn it. What is happening here? Yorin. Yorin, thank you. Yorin. We got it. We're good. We're good. It's all right. Fuck. Just a momentary lapse. Um, yeah, he's not Yorin. He look. He doesn't look all grubby. And, yeah, no. And, but he... not. And finally, it got him the fuck away from you, you little bitch, John, is basically what Mormont says. Because yeah. he is still... I'm not pleased, John. Don't think that this means I approve of that nonsense in the common hall. You are not a boy anymore. That's a man sword you have there. It'll take a man to wield her. And I expect you to act the part henceforth. And John says, yes, my lord. And he sheeds it. It did make a noble gift, and freeing him from Thorn was nobler still. Yeah. So Mormont uh, finally asks if he thinks he's going to be well enough to, to resume his duties. Duties and John's like, yeah, good. I want some wine and some food. Get the fuck out. Basically, yeah. And uh, as he's leaving, the guards that he passes compliment him on his new steel. You earned that snow. And their other generic background <laughs> yeah. dude compliment. <laughs> and but for some reason he's fucking pissed. Yeah, because he's angsty John. There's an anger in his um, mouth. His friends lurked outside, feigning archery training. But so we—he's angry because Mormont never mentioned Rob. Yeah, there was that. no mention yeah. of Rob, and, and he—that's what he's anticipating because he's—he's he's 
feeling higher than his station. He's feeling like Mormont should share this information yeah, with him. Right. But that's not the way it fucking works. Like, yeah. it really doesn't, John. You're not a high lord here. You're not anything here. You're, you're a, a steward, steward under Mormont. He, like... It, it, you're trying to reach above your station, and, you, and then you're getting mad about it. And so, yeah, his friends are, are chilling outside. Pip immediately wants to see the sword. They all start taking up the chant. So yeah. John unsheathes it and turns it so that they can see the Valerian steel. And John is trying to seem as pleased and proud as he ought to, but yeah. he's still just being angsty John. And we learned that all of his friends had a little part in having it fixed and refurbished and, and done up, yeah. you know, I think... Uh, because, like we said, Sam went to Molestown, got the garnet. Yeah, John even gets mad at them for, like, knowing and not telling him that he was getting the sword. Like, yeah, like, he thinks he knows. He sh- like, you're not the Lord Commander, motherfucker. And not then yet. I just like Pip's little quip about the Night's Watch is a thousand, thousands of years old, but I'll bet Lord Snow is the first brother ever honored for burning down the Lord Commander's tower. Yeah. And so, yeah, the others laughed. Even John smiles, but... And this is when we learn, in truth, the fire only gutted the top two floors, but no one seemed to give a shit since Othor was killed, too. We also find out what happened with the other one, the Jaffer Flowers we corpse. We do indeed. And that one went on a rampage. It killed five men, including Sir Jeremy Riker. Yuck. Which we've met quite a few times yeah. at this point. He rode out with them north and mm-hmm. found the hand with Jaffers. And, right. And so, yeah, it was cut to pieces by a dozen swords, but not before it had slain the noble Jeremy Rykar. And it says that Sir Jeremy had cut off its head, yet strength and courage did not avail much when a foe, who uh, against a foe who would not fall because they were already dead. Even arms and armor were small protection. And so that grim thought soured his mood even further. And so he claims he needs to get Lord Bear's supper. She's long claw. And goes to his room. Yeah, he he takes off, thinking that his friends meant well, but they didn't understand because they didn't face Othor. Yeah. They didn't have to face those eyes in the night or know of the fighting in the Riverlands. So So he's got PTSD going on. Yeah. So John, uh, he heads straight to his room where Ghost is waiting, and he climbs on his bed and puts his headphones on and listens to the latest Linkin Park album. And he just nods. Well, we get, uh, yeah, the description of Ghost. The dire wolf's eyes were darker than garnets and wiser than men, which I just thought was interesting with the garnets being put into the pommel. Right. But well, So John doesn't actually sit well, there and listen to his Lincoln Park. This is my favorite part because John scratches Ghost's and he ears, leans, he takes the shows hill, yeah. him the pommel, and goes, look. It's, it's you. Yeah. And, which is the most dog owner thing. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, is that a puppy on the TV? It's you. Yeah. Look, look, it's you. And I just fucking died because yeah. Barrick was next to me when I was doing notes. So I was just immediately like, yeah, that's a that's a dog owner moment. And so, yeah, uh, Ghost sniffs him, gives him a lick, and John smiles. And John says to him that you're the one who deserves an honor. And he suddenly remembers the day he found little ghosty ghost. Yeah. He's taken back. And he thought he was all alone. He was different, so they drove him out. And then Samuel Tarley is calling his name behind him. John, John. And he's rocking nervously on his heels. And he... John stands and asks, what is it? You want to see my sword? <laughs> you want to... I'll show you mine if you show me yours. <laughs> and he says, no, no, my Eamon wishes to see. Well, Sam, like, he's like, nah, like, I, I was heir to my father's blade once. Valerian steel as well. I held it, but it scared me because it's so sharp. So, no. Eamon wants to see you is why I'm here. So put that thing away. Keep your sword in your pants, please. And John, knowing his bandages do not need to be changed, immediately realizes 
You fucking told him, didn't you? <laughs> you fucking told Eamon that you told me. You you mother... And, and Sam stammers. I, I I think he knew. He sees things no one else sees. He's he, blind. He's blind. He's blind. And, and then he storms away from Sam, disgusted. Yeah, exactly. he's pissed. Saying, I can find the way myself. And um, so he finds Eamon in the rookery with Clytus. But man, that was harsh as yeah, shit. Yeah, like, he just leaves Sam. And he, yeah, as he approaches Eamon, he says, Sam said you wanted me. And Eamon nods and tells Clytus, give John the bucket. And Clytus leaves. And Eamon tells John, start feeding the ravens, which he does. And so it's all bloody bits and grossness. Yeah, but, meat. Bucket of meat. Yeah, John mentions that Mormont's crow eats fruit and corn, not bloody yeah. chunks well, of it's meat. it's a rare bird. Yeah. Why is it so rare? It's Why? a rare bird because most birds prefer flesh. It makes them strong, and I fear they relish the taste of blood. In that, they are like men, and like men, not all ravens are alike. Yeah, and John is fucking lost. John's he, lost from yeah, this, this whole point tra- out. This whole yeah. chapter, he's been pretty much. I, he had no. What's the sword? What a what a sword? Yeah, what? and he starts thinking he wants Maester Eamon to get to the point, but Maester Eamon is not a man to be rushed. No. And so we learn here that a little bit of history, and I like this history. Yeah, Are go you... ahead. No, I have uh, the... Uh, oh, word, okay. Yeah, that Baylor the Blessed had once tried to replace all the ravens with doves as ravens are seen as vile things. They're black and they eat flesh. And so the Night's Watch... Uh, and so Baylor the Blessed wanted them removed because they, they weren't seen as holy, and he wanted to replace them with doves and... Uh, there was another bird, but I don't, I don't give a shit about the other bird. And Eamon, and I kind of picture it as like that old man wink. He leans in, and he's like, the Night's Watch prefers ravens. The Night's Watch prefers. Yeah, that's And good. so John says, Dywin says that the wildlings call us crows. The crow is the raven's poor cousin. They are both beggars in black. Hated and misunderstood. And it says John wished he understood what the fuck they were talking about. <laughs> right. And why. If the old man had something to say to him, why didn't he just say it? Yeah. And so, you got something to say to me, old man? Uh, I kind of footnoted a lot of this part here. Uh, Eamon asks if John knows why the Night's Watch doesn't take wives and children. And he explains because love is the death of duty and all that jazz. So I they will not love. It. For love is the bane of honor, the death of duty. It doesn't sound right to John, but he doesn't say anything because Eamon's 100 years old and a high officer of the Night's Watch. Yeah. So he also mentions that's why they don't partake in politics, because of the way that they would be torn from houses and lands and well, we get, brothers and sisters. And it's, it, it just, for me, this is where Eamon starts to hit that next level of wisdom, because yeah. he, he asks John, if the day should ever come when your lord father must needs choose between honor on the one hand and those he loves on the other, what would he do? And that question is Ned Stark, that's right? A, that's fucking exact, there. I re- when I heard, read that, I was like, does Eamon fucking know? Like that's it. Like it feels like he's saying, do you understand that you're Rhaegar and Lyanna's son, and your father lied to protect you, the that, person? Yeah. Who, like, like he's so directly yeah. was just like they're co- and then, and John hesitates, wanting to think, say that Edard, Lord Edward, would never dishonor himself, but a small, sly voice reminds him that he fathered a bastard, and where is the honor in that? And your mother, he won't even speak her name. And so John answers that he would do whatever was right, no matter what. 
And so Eamon answers that Lord Eddard is one man in ten thousand. Most of us are not so strong. What is honor compared to a woman's love? What is duty against the feel of a newborn in your arms? Or the memory of a brother's smile? Wind in words, we are only human. The gods fashioned us for love. That is our great glory and our great tragedy. Which yeah. sums up John. Yeah, they like, went from one to the next. The, 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 we're fashioned for love. Like That that was it. Liana and Rhaegar fell in love. Yeah. And all of this is a culmination of that. So he finishes up the, the whole speech with this little one. A craven can be as brave as any man when there is nothing to fear, and we all do our duty when there's no cost to it. How easy it seems then to walk the path of honor, yet soon or late in every man's life comes a day when it is not easy, a day when he must choose. Tower of Joy. The Tower of Joy? Yeah. Yeah, right. So, uh, I just didn't, you were whispering over that direction. <laughs> I was, I, I know, I didn't fuck. even face the mic. And so John gets all fucking angsty. He notices that the ravens seem to watch yeah, him. Yeah, all of them are kind of listening. It's like, what the fuck are, what the fuck are you doing here, Brendan Rivers? Get the fuck out of there. The and John, out. yeah, and he says, and this is my day, is that what you're saying? And it says, Eamon turned his head and looked at him. With those dead white eyes. And he stripped John. Like, John felt naked under his gaze. He yeah. could not. It just. Eamon seemed to look mm. right into his heart. And it says that John flung the remaining meat and blood and let the empty empty bucket clang to the floor. And so Eamon puts a spotted hand on his shoulder. Oh, it hurts, boy. Oh, yes. Choosing always hurts and always will. I know. John. You don't know. You don't know anything. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know what I I've been hate through. it here. <laughs> and so he's like, I'm a bastard, and you don't know what that's like. And I'm but a- he's still my father. And Eamon yeah. sighs. Yeah. Is this? Is no, this, not yet. No, not yet? Okay, so he says, have you heard nothing I've told you, John? Yeah, you I think- put Eamon is like, brah, have you listened to anything I've said at all? <laughs> Pretty much. You think we are the first... Three times the gods saw fit to test my vows, once when I was a boy, once in the fullness of my manhood, and once when I had grown old, too frail to do anything. My ravens would bring word from the south, the ruin of my house, the death of my kin. What could I have done, old, blind, frail? It grieved me to sit forgotten as they cut down my brother's poor grandson and his son, and even the little children. And John is shocked to see some tears in his eyes. And he's like, dude, who the fuck are you, man? He asks in almost dread. He's almost terrified of yeah, this answer. Yeah. Because he's getting that, like, oh, shit, this guy is somebody. This yeah, is a like, somebody. holy shit. Like, and is, is this your part? No, now? I'm just doing the very last paragraph because I didn't feel like writing that. A part. smile quivered on the ancient lips. Only a a maester of the citadel, bound in service to Castle Black in the Night's Watch. My order puts aside the names of our houses when we don the collar. My father was Makar, first of his name. My brother Aegon reigned after him in my stead. My grandfather named me for Prince Aemon the Dragon Knight, who was his uncle or father, depending on which tale you believe. 
Aemon, he called me. Aemon Targaryen. John's shocked as shit. Yeah, John's like, oh shit, plot twist. And so, yeah, I just didn't write down the last paragraph because it's I wanted to read this one for sure. And he said, once, once. So you see, John, I do know. And knowing, I will not tell you to stay or go. You must make that choice yourself and live with it all the rest of your days as I have. As I have. I leaned in nice and close for that, too. Yeah, you're creepy. And that's the fucking end of Eamon's chapter. Oh, man. Eamon with the bomb at the end, man. Yeah, yeah. He just... I mean, what a better way, though, to tell John the... Teach John the lesson that... Don't judge me. Don't look at my notebook. Um, To teach John that lesson of, like, I literally watched the entire desolation of my house. Like, Yeah. I I, saw my grandchildren, like, my grandnieces just get slaughtered. And I was someone who abstained from being king. Like, I could have been king, and I chose not to. And then I had to live with that decision and the fact that then my house was slaughtered. And, yeah, your family's going to war, which sucks, but, like, perspective, bro. Yeah. And no, like, you're the only one. You yeah, that, that's it. It's like, you don't know. See, this is how you know Rob and John are brothers, though. That's angry. not the worst of it. Not Father's leg is broken. Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> anyway, you got an inductee? Um, I, 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 Eamon, I got to give it to Eamon. I know it's how the easy not? way out, but like somebody's got to do it. I'll get it out of the way. Eamon. Excellent. Uh, Amen for being a Targaryen. For being fucking Amen. For being fucking the all-seeing, all-knowing master. The fucking. Ah, uh, yeah. I I'll never get over the line of his with, if if the day should ever come when your Lord Father has to choose, because it, it's like Amen might as well just be like, oh yeah, Rhaegar's your father, Lyanna's right, your father, yeah, and you are like, a Targaryen. I swear so, he, like, knows. He, he knows. We're just gonna skip all the bullshit, right? But uh, yeah, Amen, great, love it. Mine is going to Sir Barristan Selmy. Yeah. For fucking ah. the excellent escape, so slaying happy. two men, so happy. and then as we know, slipping back into the city yes. and fucking chilling till he can get. If a I ship. thought it through, I probably would have went with Barry the Bold. Uh, so absolutely, yeah. Sir Barristan Selmy is my inductee for this one. All right, and so we do have an inductee and a couple shout-outs for this episode. Yeah. So first we'll get the inductee is from our great friend from France, Julian. Julian. And he's, he's fucking me all up because he's speaking Spanish here. So, Hola, amigos. <laughs> I hope you guys are doing fine. We're doing great, Julian. We're hoping you're doing great as well. Um, so what he has to say is what a nice chapter this John 8 is. Great conversations between him and both Mormont and Master a- Meister Eamon. Master Eamon. I know. As, right? All the like, sexual tension, yo. <laughs> as usually in his chapters, I like how deep into his feelings we get, even if it's often teenage crap for now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but it, we get that deep understanding of who he is and who yeah. he's going to grow into from that. So, agreed. I don't want it. I sincerely hope Eamon Targaryen. Correct once will be picked up by someone as he's dropping some mighty wisdom to John. Yeah, I got Nate you there. Uh, the love is the death of duty weighs a lot when we remember the last episode of the TV show Excellent. when John and Tyrion reverse that phrase into duty is the death of love. Ugh. Do you think George Martin will make use of it again too? I definitely feel like that line is super significant. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll come up, if not in that same way. And I agree. I think that that was a fun switch on the oh, words yeah, yeah. by the showrunners. Yeah. So I agree there. I love that scene. So finally, 
His inductee is going to be the best one of this week, Mormont's Raven. Ooh. Boy, boy, boy. Oh, I want to read more about that intriguing bird. Have a good weekend over there, Valar de Harris. Thank you, Julian, for writing Valor in. Valar de Harris. I agree. I'm super excited to be learning more about the bird as we go through it with the reread because mm. we've got that more analytical look at the... The shit he's saying, man, what's going on. And then I also liked, as you pointed out, and to tag, tie into his there, the ravens that John was feeding, just staring intently as if they were During listening. During this conversation. This conversation yeah. of all of them. Yeah, so, Julian, thank you as always. Appreciate uh, we always that. appreciate that. We also, in not an inductee, but we did get an email, and we just want to shout you out real quick. But we got an email from our buddy Sid. Who Sid has yes. been a long time listener with us, and we appreciate him writing in. And he said that he had just finished listening to the Call Bell episode, yeah. more Call Bell, which was such a blast for us to uh, to record. We had such a good time that night. I, I will never forget recording that episode because that joke was killing me all day. And so he says the uh, the whole part about Danny worried that Viserys might get hurt while looking for cell swords in based Dothrak. And Jorah replying to Danny with his mouth full made me laugh out loud. So anytime yeah. we can get anybody laughing along with us, that's our goal. We hope that our goofy nonsense does somewhat come off more funny than annoying. And so yeah, we're thrilled you let us know. Yeah, that thank part you. Cracks yeah. us up. Yeah, we're forty. Great, thank you so, so much. So yeah, for thanks, Sid. We always love hearing from you guys, even if it's not inductees. Yeah. Just yeah. letting us know where you're at. And so. finally, we also want to call out to our Hell, new yeah, friend. Yeah, we do. Uh, so I'm, I might murder it. It's spelled a little different. Teresa, I think is I how think it it's is. Teresa. If not, I'm super sorry for butchering it. Yeah, let us but know if we butchered it. Thank you for subscribing to our Patreon. We really hope you enjoy the Mercy and Theon chapters. We are working on Victarion next. It's going to be hitting you soon. Very soon. So look out for that one. And we're working on some of the other semantics to get your your other benefits there. But, again, thank you so much. Yeah, we're excited. And uh, we're excited to start interacting with you on a a Patreon level. Because we've got a lot of fun ideas for Patreon coming out. So be sweet. You, uh, as well as being one of our... First, uh, higher tier subscribers, we will also, you'll also sort of be our little guinea pig <laughs> to see what kind of content uh, we want to release on Patreon. So we're excited to have you. Enjoy those two episodes. We've got another one coming at you very, very soon. And if you would like to be like Teresa and have some awesome bonus content, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash without manners. You can also find us through our Gmail, uh, Without Manners Brotherhood at gmail.com. We're on, I'm on Instagram at Manners Without and Twitter at Manners Without. Zach is on Twitter at Carstark92. And we finally have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brotherhood Podcast. If you are a subscriber to Patreon, you get access to our private Facebook group. That's where we can just chat regularly, throw out some just questions, see what you guys are thinking, what you want. Just a more direct line to us. Indeed. Um, hit us up. Let us know if you got inductees. You threw out our Patreon link? Yeah. I did, yeah. Okay, that was cool the first one. So next chapter we will be reading is Danny 7, and it's going to be legit. I am a little bit obsessed with this chapter. I really, really enjoyed 
every second of noting yes. this one. Outstanding. And so it, it, we get to meet some Miri Mazdur. Yes. Mazdur. So there's going to be some sick ass shit. And then oh we've my got God, it's Miri Mazdur. We've got some... <laughs> We've got some sweet uh, things that we noticed this time that we didn't really always pick up on the first read, and so we're and we've excited. already got some inductees for it. Yeah, so, so we keep appreciate sending them you in. guys. You guys are awesome. We're having so much fun. We're gonna keep having fun. We're gonna keep this gravy train rolling. And last note, the next John episode that we will be doing, John Nine, will be John Snow's last chapter in A Game of Thrones. So be prepared for that, which is not coming up for a little bit yet, but. We just wanted to shout that out that Let John you know. only has one more. Let and you so know. next week, join uh, not next week, god damn it. <laughs> next next episode, episode, join us for Danny Seven. Until then, Valor de Harris. Peace. Peace.